and welcome back to Pocket Change, the fast-paced offshoot of Helios Consulting's podcast. My name is Kate Denunzio. I'm the Senior Partner and Chief Change Officer at Helios Consulting, and my role within the firm is to manage all strategy when it comes to managing change and working with our clients. We've had some requests for specific information, and in very particular, we've heard from listeners that they're interested in hearing about how to best manage change when it comes to mergers, acquisitions, and takeovers. That's going to be the topic of our discussion today, and uh, we do have some experience with mergers and acquisitions in Helios. We have been retained for two, one that was significant, uh, spanned six countries, one organization with 20,000 people, and another that was quite a bit smaller, where it was about 700 people across three provinces. In each one of these situations, our role to play was very different. Um, speaking to the large multinational organization it was a merger of equals, and there was a lot of fear and trepidation. And the area that we were contracted to work within was in the technology group and very specifically down into the operations technologies that enabled the manufacturing of the product that this company sold. The layers of complexity with this one were quite significant in that there was not a lot of people who felt really positive about their role or their function within the merger itself. There was a lot of confusion and a lot of fear. And it was a difficult time for people because they didn't know who they could turn to to have a conversation with because they didn't know if they were talking to a decision maker or not. And so what we found was a lot of people often would have backroom conversations or those third-party discussions. This, of course, lends itself to a whole different level of stress that can't fully be understood. And when we think about change and we think about change of that magnitude, it becomes very impactful when people don't know where their next year of income is going to come from. This is the question, is how do you start to take care of people through a merger and acquisition? And I think what it comes down to is taking into consideration that people are the greatest and most expensive asset that any organization has. They carry all of the beliefs and the structures of the organization. When you think about the iceberg, um, the iceberg is always the, the piece that you can see is never the piece that you should fear. It's always what you can't see, which is underneath the water. And when you think about mergers and acquisitions or takeovers, what we think about is we think about strategy and we think about vision. We think about value systems, policies, procedures. We think about the goals, what it is that we're trying to achieve, the shareholder value that we're trying to enhance or improve. But what we don't see is what's under the water. And that's the belief systems of the people who work in the organization, the cultural side, uh, the perceptions. And, you know, I often tell people that in the absence of fact, perception is reality. And my perception is my reality. And until you show or teach me otherwise, that's literally what I'm going to believe. Your communication campaign means nothing until the proof is in the pudding. Beneath that surface, even further, we have shared assumptions, the things that we believe to be true. 
We have our value systems, the things that get us out of bed every single day. And on top of that, we have multiple value systems inside of each organization, depending on how many generations of workforce you have, depending on what types of workers you have in an organization. We have our organizational norms and the things that we believe to be acceptable. We have unwritten rules, the things that we all do, like leaving early on a Friday afternoon without clocking out or, or writing that on our exemption sheets. We have the stories of the past, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then at the very bottom, we have feelings. And I think that when we take a step back and we look at a merger and an acquisition or a takeover, what it really looks like and what it feels like is trying to enhance shareholder value. We want to put dollars and cents into people's hands. And I think that our, 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 our rush to get to the finish line, to achieve the goal, to put the, the money in the bank is greater than our desire to serve people. Everything that we stand for inside of an organization falls to the wayside when we believe that we have something greater to achieve. And it speaks a lot to the values of an organization, how they treat their people when they go through a merger. Um, we worked with an organization and we were brought in very early before the actual acquisition even took place. And it was an executive vice president who came to us and said, hey, we, we need you to come and support us with this, with this acquisition. And so naturally we went, we met with some folks, we had some conversations, we established our transition leadership team, and we started having conversations in terms of the nuts and bolts of how we wanted to organize it. And, you know, here's where it becomes very interesting when you're thinking of operational integrity management systems, you're thinking of people, um, human resources, and things of that nature, is that at the end of the day, the the nuts and bolts of how we run a piece of equipment or machinery is the nuts and bolts of how we run a piece of equipment or machinery. Those are often written in work processes and are easy enough to adapt to. The, the difficult part is making sure that people feel safe and comfortable and can continue to operate safely in whatever environment it is that they're in. And I think that when we look at mergers and acquisitions, when we're an office-based staff, for example, um, and it's it's seen to be maybe a less risky industry. The focus is not nearly as much on the mental health and well-being of the workforce, right? We bury those feelings at the very bottom of of our iceberg, and we allow them to just fester at the very bottom. And but we focus on that strategy, the strategy of how we get these companies merged, the strategy or merged, the strategy of how we link our finance systems together, the strategy of how we rationalize and flatten our technical landscape and our architecture. We focus a lot of that on, on we focus a lot on that. And in in and amongst all of that, the people who are doing the integration are people. The people who are doing the work to keep the lights on are people. And organizations have a responsibility to take a step back and look at what they need to do in order to take care of people. And this organization that we worked with was fantastic for that in, in that they brought us to the table early enough that we were able to build a people strategy that took into consideration all of the different factors of the change curve that we knew that everybody would be experiencing in the company that was being acquired. 
And it was it was exciting to be able to sit with the leadership team. And of course, at that point, because the transaction had not closed, we were not able to have any conversation with anybody in the organization that was being acquired. So we were going very much on assumption. And that was a very difficult piece because we didn't understand or know the culture of the people. We didn't know anything beneath the surface. And so we went on our best judgment in terms of basically empathy. If I was in an organization that was about to be acquired by another company, what is it that I would want to have happen? How would I want to be treated? What would I want to know? And on day one, what could that look like for me? And so we worked tirelessly to actually put frequently asked questions together. We had um, guidance documents that we put out in terms of how we got finances done from the the company that was being acquired into the new company. We had introductory letters from the C-suite. We had welcome packages that we actually built that explained absolutely everything that anybody would need to know in each stakeholder group that were going to be dramatically impacted on day one. Um, our field operations were not dramatically operated. The instruction to field operations were operate as steady state and as normal until told otherwise. What we experienced was that the field operations very much could just live into their safe work practices and their their SOPs and not have any real significant impact. But when we thought about our Calgary-based staff or the people who were in the office being able to procure goods, being able to um, process financing, being able to do things like accounts payable, accounts receivable, human resources, all of those different things that had to do with running the actual business needed to be taken into consideration. And people deserved and needed to have instruction on what they needed to do to avoid catastrophe and to also feel safe and feel comfortable. And so we we worked with our partners in this in this transition steering team and we talked about all the different things that needed to happen and on day 1 of the transaction we were in there and we were waiting in the lobby of the building for when the closing uh crossed the wire and um my managing partner, Mike, and I ended up going in with our associate at the time, and we found the director of human resources. He was given to us to work with, and uh, we asked him if he would be willing to pull together some of the administrative support people in the organization. And the reason we wanted to do this is that I firmly believe that your administrative support people are they're the knowledge of your organization. They're the ones who get stuff done. They're the ones who know um dare I say, where all the dead bodies are. And so knowing that you can create uh, social networks or support networks with people who have great understanding of the culture and the people was a really important component for us right off the bat. And it was interesting because we pulled all these folks together and they came into a room, predominantly female. There was one, two males in the room at, at total. And um, one included Mike. And um, we had a conversation with them and we had this stack of papers with us with instructions and, you know, welcome packages. And it was very unfortunate at the time that they were they were all very angry. Um, they had been notified of the sale of their organization just a couple of weeks earlier, and then everything had gone dark. Nobody had shared any information with them on the inside of the organization. And it was it was really unfortunate for us because we came in with such good faith and we had been so planful. But because we had no ability to actually interact with them until the closing of the sale that morning at 7 a.m., we were unable to triage how they were feeling. And so by the time we got into that room with them, they were very, very angry. 
angry and they felt abandoned. Um, it was very unfortunate because they were an organization that was owned out of the United States and they were selling off their Canada assets. And it was terrible because what ended up happening was a number of the people who were located in the United States would oftentimes commute back and forth and spend time in Calgary and then they would go back to, you know, wherever they lived. And a week prior, they had cleaned out their offices and they had gone away and they just never came back. They managed remotely for the last week and they did not give their their team members the opportunity to really have a good, fruitful goodbye. And that that lack of leadership and that lack of capability to um, let that relationship go in a meaningful way was very hurtful. And so by the time we got in there, the teams were very angry. They were very hostile. Uh, They had come in and things had still been working. And then all of a sudden the IT had turned off. And so their computers went dark and nothing that they had accessed originally was now accessible to them. And so different elements of our strategy started coming into play and into effect immediately. The technology started rolling, transitions of servers were taking place in the background, but because they had been given no knowledge of this, um, it ended up being a really, really difficult time for them. And people were very worried about their work. They were worried about whether they would have a job. They were very worried about whether the hours of work that they'd put in on a specific regulatory uh, compliance document, for example, was one of the big concerns that one of the ladies had, whether that would have been saved to the server or whether she lost all of that work and whether the company was going to be non-compliant. Like there were all of these different elements that could have been handled in a very different way had the organization taken the time to communicate and say, there are people taking care of these facets of what's going on. And so we spent a a lot of time in that small little room with this this group of administrators and the um, director of human resources. And we heard them out and we listened to them. And then we spoke with them about what it was that we were there to achieve and what our role was. And we were integrators. We were there to support them and to serve them. And I think that was really shocking to them. And they had a really hard time believing that. Uh, it was very interesting to start to see how personalities were starting to present themselves. It was, you know, we had been in attendance at an, a town hall when the purchase was originally announced, and people had assumptions about who we were in the organization because of who we were attending the meeting with. And so for us to show up as integrators as opposed to executives was pretty surprising to them as well. Um, that that acquisition was relatively seamless for the most part. And that's because it was planful on our part. We knew what to expect. The people in our finance divisions knew what to expect. The supply chain people knew what to expect. And so because we had planned it and we had built transition opportunities and strategies to support, the blind spot was inside of the company that was purchased and not inside of the company that was purchasing. And so there was a lot of value there. But at the same time, I think that there could have been, when we look in the rearview mirror, opportunities for us to look back and say, okay, well, what could we have done differently? So when I think about mergers and acquisitions, when I think about, um, you know, being acquired, that's a very scary thought. And I can appreciate the fear that comes with that because you don't know whether you're going to be a redundant role within the organization. Um, I say redundant role because people aren't redundant. Everybody matters. Um, 
but are you a redundant role or are you going to be blended? Are you going to be put into an area that you're not really excited about? Or maybe you would find yourself sitting in a position where you're completely incompetent. Somebody assessed you wrong. Um, and then to that end, who's assessing you? Do you know these people? Do they know you personally? Do they know what your strengths are, your weaknesses? And so from a human perspective, I think the, the first thing that I would recommend any organization do when they're walking down the path of a merger or acquisition is to start to map out and flesh out what the people strategy looks like. The, the human interaction, what people need is they just need reassurance. They need to know that things are going to be okay. Does everybody come through a merger or an acquisition? No, they don't. That's reality. That is the reality of business, of who we are as humans. We don't always come through the fire. And if you're listening to this and you're an individual who's going through an experience and you're not sure if you're going to make it through the fire, you have all of the tools and capability to start positioning yourself to be more successful, whether that's staying inside of that company, pulling up your bootstraps, doing a little bit of extra work, or whether it's having a hard conversation with somebody or having a conversation with somebody to find out what is happening if you feel the void, or start dusting off your resume. You were looking for a job when you found that one. And I think what I find happens quite frequently inside of mergers and acquisitions is a victim mentality. And I think it's an easy place to go. When we think about being acquired or when we think about a merger taking place and we're told that it's a merger of equals, but we see across the table, we know that that other company is stronger or maybe more organized or maybe better situated in the market. It doesn't feel equal. The the self-doubt starts to become very real. And even more so when it's compounded by the things that we're facing in our global economy right now. When we're looking down the barrel of inflation of paying, you know, between $1.50 and $1.60 a liter for fuel. When we're thinking about 4% increases on groceries. All of these things are frightening. They're scary, right? But you have the choice. You have the choice whether you're going to fight it whether you're going to be fearful of it or whether you're going to run away from it. And I think this all starts to bleed back into our resiliency factors. And if you go to heliosconsulting.ca, there are a number of articles that I've written, blog posts, that you can have a look into in terms of our resiliency pillars. And the foundation of our resiliency is our ability to bounce back. And resiliency is made up of four things, problem solving, empathy, emotional regulation, and self-confidence. The number one thing, if you're in, in, the, in the midst of a merger or an acquisition and you're feeling fearful, is your self-confidence. You're feeling very worried. You're not going to be valued. You're not going to be seen for who it is that you are and what it is that you have to contribute. Believe something different. And if you can't believe something different, that's not the right organization for you. If you think about it and it makes you angry, or it makes you fearful, or it makes you scared. Think about your emotional regulation. Why is that happening? Dig a little deeper. Ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Your gut never lies to you. The, these are complex life circumstances and situations, but they are not the end-all be-all. They don't have to be. And I've seen them where they have been. I've seen mergers and acquisitions that have gone sideways. I've seen people who have chosen to die by suicide because the overwhelming fear of what they cannot control takes over. 
Do I believe that it's fully 100% because of the merger or acquisition? No, I don't. I believe that it's because we lose hope. And when we lose hope, our ability to see beyond nothing is, is overwhelming. We are in a mental health crisis right now. And the only ones who can help us are ourselves. If you're a leader in an organization and you're experiencing a merger and acquisition, I strongly urge you, strongly urge you to start asking questions about your people strategy. If that strategy is not clear, if it's not concise, if it is not taking precedence in everything that you're doing in terms of keeping your employee base abreast and aware of what's happening, do better. As a leader, don't forget that if service is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. You wouldn't have a job if there were no people to serve. <laughs>